Okay, good evening, everyone. Happy Monday, or whatever day it is that you're watching this, is if you're watching the recording. That's Sean Miller here from Warrior Concepts, and of course, this is Kuden, the podcast. Uh, I need to bring up my little Kuden thing there. Don't, never mind, James is in the background working magic. So anyway, all right, so I have a quote to kind of open things up with before we get started. So uh, Bruce Lee, everybody knows who Bruce Lee is, right? Everybody still wants to be Bruce Lee, right? Uh, Bruce Lee, uh, one of his quotes was, uh, don't speak negatively about yourself, even as a joke, right? Because your body doesn't know the difference. Uh, he continued on by saying words have energy or words are energy, right? <clears throat> and they cast spells, right? So if you want to change your life, you need to change the way you talk about yourself, so during this episode, we're going to talk about uh, self-affirmations, inner dialogue, self-talk, that kind of thing, and why uh, why sometimes, even though this is a powerful tool, why uh, it can not work, right? Why it can not necessarily backfire, um, but reasons why it can go amiss. And I'm going to give you some suggestions from Mikio and some other uh, areas of my study uh, that um, might help, right? So we'll talk about all that and more when we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. All right. And we're kicking off another week, so to speak, right? This is episode, what, 178. Right? Imagine how far, much farther ahead I'd be. James is over there shaking his head. Imagine how much farther ahead I'd be if I didn't take a year and a half off, right? So, I don't know. We often mention those things, but you know what? I don't give that much thought because I just keep on moving, right? Anyway, so... Um, shift my notes over here so I'm not always looking off to the side. I've got a whole bunch of notes for you guys tonight. So um, uh, this episode is actually, the topic for this episode is actually out of order. Okay? Uh, I often, uh, James knows, my, my staff knows, I schedule topics well ahead. So unless somebody sends in a topic suggestion uh, that I think, you know, needs to but the queue or, um, or uh, you know, it's, it's one of those topics where we need to handle it right, right away, right? Um, I, I normally stick to my schedule. It's just easier uh, for me, right, because they're just, they're just laid out, right? Um, but I've been thinking a lot of, uh, lately about um, this thing, right, positive affirmations and um, – a problem that more than a few of my students and followers and, and whatnot, right, have been having and asking about. And that is why descent, why are these positive affirmations not working, right? Um, well, that's kind of one of the questions, right? Often questions come in uh, as to whether uh, do they work, right? Uh, should I use them? Um, but like one of the bigger ones is and, and people can say things different, you know, different ways, right? They can flat out say it like I'm, I'm going to present it here in a minute, or they can say it 
in, uh, you know, using negative talk, right? And just a very dismissive kind of thing. Like that doesn't work. Okay. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about clarity in speech here as we move on. Um, but when we say that something doesn't work, right? I know what they're getting at, right? It didn't work for me, but they don't say that. It's the same thing that happens when somebody tries a martial art or they try anything. Right. And uh, they end up quitting. Right. And that's really what happens. Right. But there can be lots of reasons for that. But later when they're discussing or describing that thing, and it's a, it's a very broad thing. Right. They went to a particular school and they learned a certain style or they learned a certain uh, they were they were studying a certain program or whatever. But when they're telling people that that thing didn't work. They're making a very global, general statement about something that's actually very specific, right? So they went to a specific school and learned from a specific teacher. And they learned the topic being presented a certain way. But when they say, well, that stuff doesn't work or that didn't work for me or whatever, right? What they end up doing is generalizing this this broad area because, well, many of my students know, right, they've gone and trained in different places and whatnot and either didn't feel like they were getting what they needed or they kind of hit a ceiling and the, then their, their progress stalled out or it wasn't what they were expecting, right, uh, especially a lot of the folks that that have read or or heard about the training way back when the art was first introduced to the West, right? And then here it is, right? And maybe maybe some of these people, and I know some of my students currently, they trained that way, and then for whatever reason, right, life got in the way, and they took some time off. For many, they took some serious time off, right? And then they come back to the training, or they decide they're going to jump back in again. And then what they end up seeing and finding is nothing like what they experienced originally, or they read, you know, Hatsumisate's or some of these uh, instructors books from way back in the day. And there's little hints about the training and the way one should train and, and, and whatnot. And then they go looking at things. They may jump into a class or they may watch some of these videos or they may read uh, articles or blog posts or whatever. And in their words, they had a hard time even recognizing the art or what they were looking at. Right? And so, you know, they'll uh, either way. Right. So when people come into my training, as a matter of fact, I just, um, I just uh, welcomed a new student into our long distance training uh, program today um, so I don't know if Ter Terrence is on or not, but Terrence is, he just admitted today during a conversation that he'd been stalking me for years. He didn't use that word, but anyway, stalker. Anyways, <laughs> so, um, uh, but one of the things I had to be very, very clear because Terrence has been training in this art and he's training lots of other arts. Um, but one of the first things I had to discuss at the onset of our, of our, uh, when the, when the, topic shifted to 
him wanting to train with me in the program that I have. I had to very quickly just say, look, this, this doesn't look like most people's programs. Okay. And I also discussed, uh, it's, it's kind of a one way conversation at the moment. I have to have another conversation with somebody who contacted me who actually lives in my state. They live much, much closer to me than Terrence does who wants to train, but you know, saw the belt color layout and things. And, you know, his comment is uh, there's no orange belt in the Bujinkan, right? Explain how there's an orange belt in the Bujinkan, right? I'm this rank. I got this belt color or whatever, right? And this isn't a session where we're going to be going into conscious bias or anchoring bias or anything like that. I think we did that in the last episode. But um, what those things are, are conscious bias is the way you believe something to be um, causes you to dismiss anything that's different and only be satisfied when you encounter things that basically validate your belief system, right? Which is no way to grow. Okay. Um, of course, ego always likes to be validated because it believes itself God, but, um, but conscious bias is highly dependent upon and based on in, in large part on this thing called anchoring bias. So for those of you who were on last week, um, pardon the, the little review here, but I have to make sure that anybody that just finds this as an independent episode um, doesn't feel lost or doesn't feel like they're not a part of the group or whatever. Okay. So, um, but anchoring bias is the way we discover something for the first time. And then it goes deeper than that, right? And Mikio, we go way deep, but um, then the, the way we judge it or perceive it, right? That's, that's right. And good for me. That's bad, uncomfortable, not good for me or whatever. We tag these things, right? It's called name and form. We tag these things and then that sets up conscious bias, right? Because we're going to proceed forward based on that thing. So, um, and this is even in psychology, right? They use this in marketing uh, against you all the time, right? If you were to name the top three sodas or soft drinks or pops, whatever they call it in, in your area, carbonated beverages, right? Just name the top three right off the top of your head, okay? You have something that occupies slot one, slot two, and slot three, okay? You might have to search for slot three, but one and two pop up. And for most people, Coke is first, but for some people, Pepsi's first, right? But generally speaking, across the Western world, Coke, Pepsi, and then you fill in your third one, okay? But anchoring bias is often, I mean, not often, it's, it's most often how you encountered something first, right? So um, the fact that people like to use the word tradition, tradition and traditionally and classical and whatnot, uh, in our system, right? In our art, in, in everything, right? I only do it traditionally. Really? What era are you talking about? Right? What time period are you talking about? Which lineage are you talking about? Right? Um, anyway, so, um, regardless of the fact that in the beginning, in the earliest days, right? As a matter of fact, if you look in books like, uh, Nijutsu History and Tradition, where there's a picture of a Shinobi Shizoku, right? Hatsumi Sensei lays out this, this ninja training suit, right? There's a uh, dogi, right? There's a jacket, right? There's the pants, okay? There are the, uh, the, uh, uh, 
Uday or the gauntlets that go on the on the forearms, right? I think there's Kyahan in that picture, right? And there might be a hood, right? But what there isn't is colored belts that are white, green, or whatever. There's a black belt, okay? So now anchoring bias and conscious bias will dismiss a lot of things that I say because no matter if somebody's conscious bias about something is firmly entrenched, Sensei, I thought this was about self-talk. Yeah, listen to what I'm saying about what we talk about when it comes to other topics, and you'll understand more about what you're doing to yourself. Okay, we'll get there. Anyway, so if somebody is firmly entrenched in something that has been anchored, and that's their conscious bias, that they have habitually reinforced, they could be presented with the truth, and they will resist it because... That means if that's not right, how many other things aren't right? And it's that they don't want to be undermined, right? So it's it's not better. They can translate it as better. It's easier. It requires less work. James and I talked about this earlier, where people won't do certain things because it's just freaking easier to just keep going the same way, right? So it's just easier to keep going based on the same logic than it is to do the work of rooting out the shit. Now, again, we'll talk about this when I get to self-talk, but if we're not willing to do that with superficial things, with our training or our life or whatever, how much more difficult is that going to be when it comes to rooting out bullshit that might be underlining or underpinning right, our self-talk? Just a, just a thought, okay? But it doesn't matter to most folks that the truth is that in the earliest days of training, we wore a black uniform and a black belt because the belt held your jacket closed. The belt was not the sign of rank. The sign of rank was the bujin patch that was worn on the, on the jacket. And that's why there are these different iterations of the of the patch, right? There's a Q level patch, there's an early Don level patch, and then there was a Shidoshi or upper Don level patch, and then there was a uh, a patch designed for the beyond Jodan levels. And again, eleventh through fifteenth Don, those words are Western constructs, right? Uh, and I know the Japanese instructors used them as well because they wanted to just cut through the shit and convey things to Westerners as quickly and easy, easily as possible. But the fact that Westerners didn't do due diligence, they're studying a Japanese martial art and they didn't spend the time to learn Japanese culture, etiquette, the proper way to do things or whatever – because, well, you know, the teachers never pointed it out. They never told me I had to. So, oh, okay. So, unless you're spoon-fed, hell of a way to be a warrior. Anyway, um, so the patch designated the level where you were, and then there were these stars, silver and gold stars, that designated the, like when you first got your patch, right, that was uh, – 10th Q or 9th Q, something like that. And then as you got these other stars, 
right? Eight, seven, six, five, whatever, right? So now the people that are running around going into Bujinkan, there's white, green, and black. Really, that was a construct of the West. Stephen Hayes made up that system, okay? Because we had a problem wearing black belts here in the States, because in the States, everybody believes that if you're a black belt, then you're already a master. Well, how's that possible, right? So that really threw people off. So then there was a white belt that designated people brand new to the training. A green belt designated people that were in the Q levels, but the belt color didn't change. And then black belt designated people in the Don levels. At that point in training, there were only five Don levels. I know, hard to believe, right? Who would think? Right? Old guys that were around when it first got started. Right? So, but at a certain point, those of us who were instructors and whatnot, we, we had this instructor guild. And we were noticing that things really started to drop off mid mid Q levels. Right. Because in all honesty, and this we, we're, we go through this in the in the first seven steps uh, program, um, the unenlightened mind needs rewards or threats of punishment to do what needs to be done. OK, so there weren't enough rewards. Right. They were still in the same belt, even though they were identified as higher cues and, and things like that. Um, things were dropping off. So we made a conscious level decision to starting at fifth queue, move people into a brown belt because brown was closer. You know, it was, it was what everybody understood as being, uh, you know, almost black belt. Right. They're working on that level. Right. So then they only had to stay in green belt for what, four queue levels. And then they were in black, uh, brown belt for five queue levels and then into black, whatever. OK. Um, and then at a certain point in training, uh, this started to develop when I was still in the Hayes camp. Um, I saw the logic of it because more and more as time went on, people were shifting more away from needed to as a full blown kind of thing. They still call it that, but they're only doing one tiny aspect of it. Right. But they were moving away from uh, life mastery and those philosophical teachings. They were moving away from a whole bunch of things. Right. It was becoming. It's becoming just another martial arts option among martial arts options, right? It was people were turning this thing, right, that started out being just the name of Hatsumi Sensei's dojo, Bujinkan, right, into now when people talk about it, right, I study Bujinkan. Like it's a style. Interesting. Okay. So I have to have a conversation with someone who has been anchored to and believes that the belt color equals the Q rank, when in reality, the Q rank is, it designates what you've learned and where you are, what you should understand and what you need to do next. The belt level, the belt color is a way for a teacher to identify where you're supposed to be so they know how to interact with you. But see how it got turned into a trophy or a prize or whatever, right? Again, interesting, right? Again, the way we think about anything, right? I say, how many times, how often do I say this, right? The way we think about anything conditions not only what we do, how we will train, how we will think, speak, or act um, a, in, re, in relation to anything, but also it creates a ceiling. It creates limitations, right? So... 
we have to be careful, right? Um, but again, right? Here's here's all this this stuff, right? So before I jump into uh, whether or not positive affirmations work or what I think about it, because ultimately, I mean, this is this is based on you know my ride, right? I mean, I can tell you what what it says in the in the teachings and stuff, but there's lots of things that are in the in the lessons, whether they're the Miko Sutra or they're the scrolls or whatever, right? That doesn't stop people from just talking about it more than they're actually practicing it. Because ultimately, every person is going to do whatever they feel like doing, right? If it feels good, they're going to do it. If it, if it reinforces or, or um, uh, benefits them as far as prestige or perspective, perception on the part of others and whatnot, they'll do it, right? If they don't see the benefit in those directions, Okay. Um, one of the things I just uh, I, I pointed it out when folks were going through the Sanjay Shichi Dobon program, uh, I'm going to point it out again this class coming up about the um, in the uh, first seven steps uh, program. I pointed out in I think in the Ninja Mind program, but maybe not. Um, but all my all my students on that side, when we talk about the four noble truths, okay, one of the truths isn't listed. Right. You know, these four truths about suffering and escaping from suffering and taking control and mindfulness and those kind of things. Right. But there are truths that are not on the list. The first truth is that the list is written inside out and backwards. It's not written. It's not linearly written the way an enlightened person understands it or would engage with it. It was written out by, by an enlightened person, right? The Buddha postulated it, right? But it was written out or spoken out in the order that would motivate an unenlightened mind to take action. It starts with a negative. It answers the why or how could that be true. Then it offers a reward and then it tells you how to go about getting the reward. But it's inside out and backwards because for an enlightened person, it would be two, one, four, three, right? It would be, this is the reason that people experience this. And if they're mindful of these things, they don't have to worry about that. This is the state that they would, they would experience, right? But the unenlightened mind more often than not, and I mean like 99.8% of the time, won't do anything unless there's a uh, promise of a reward or a threat of a uh, a punishment or a, a negative or something like that. Okay. Interesting. huh? So anyway, uh, before we jump into that, right. Um, James, let me fire up James over here now that he's not uh, doing whatever he was doing before. Hey, look, it's you. He so quickly like clicks on that to drop down. Dude, I'll I'll sign off. You can run you can run the food end tonight. What do you think? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> anyway, he likes being the producer in the background. True ninja. So who's on? I see numbers go up, I see numbers go down. Who do we have? The only one that's really commented so far is Dave Fletch. He said, Good evening, and it's pretty amazing. This is the third week in a row where your subject is one I have been pondering and discussing with other people. <laughs> yeah. 
no, dude, I don't have Ninja Spies uh, watching or whatever, but um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to hit things that are pretty pretty common for, for folks, right? So, um, and I have a couple of people in my life that uh, um, don't, they don't recognize the depth of damage they do to themselves in spite of wanting to make massive positive change. And I can absolutely relate. So anyway, um, so just Dave Fletch, he's the only one actually spoken up, right? Um, I just bumped into a, uh, into a student, um, earlier today, which is fortuitous. He hasn't trained in a while. I was afraid he was doing MMA for a while. Um, and he told me that he listens to Whiteboard Wednesday and these things and whatnot. He always catches them as recordings, but he's he's catches every episode every week and stuff. So um, I know we have way more than, you know, can work it out in their schedule. So I get that. What else? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Uh, we were on YouTube. Candyman12 said to Dave, he, I think he's been reading your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dave, Dave said that or the cosmos is trying to beat into my head since I don't seem to be getting the lesson. Mm. Mm, well, maybe. Right? Um, we once had a discussion, well, more than once, we've had a discussion uh, when I was with my teachers, and we were discussing this phenomena. Have you ever had an idea, right? And it was either, I don't know, you came up with some cool phrase. I'll give you a for instance, right? Uh, this was way back in the 80s, right? And in the 80s, we had some pretty wild phrases that people came up with and stuff, right? Trippendicular and whatever, right? And um, I remember just joking around with people. We were talking about this phrase, right? And uh, I said, uh, I, I came up with this phrase, right? Fantabulous. Now, some of you are probably like, oh, I've heard that, okay? Except that that wasn't out there, right? I just came up with this thing, and I said, you know, somebody joked and went, wow, that's pretty cool. You should coin that. And, well, I should coin that, right? And, um, I don't know, months later, I was watching a sitcom, and somebody said it. I was like, shit, I should have coined that, right? But we were having this conversation about this idea of energy, because modern quantum physics – um all the tests and studies that they've been showing or, or, you know, proving again and again is that we are quantum fields operating in a larger quantum field, which coincidentally or not, right. Um, actually describes or is described in Mikyo from 1600 years ago that actually reinforces things from, the earlier Vedic and uh, uh, the Vedic traditions that predates Buddhism, right? So we're talking three, four, five, whatever, a thousand years ago, and their esoteric teachings in the Upanishads, right? So there's this idea of Indra's net, right? It's like a fishing net. And at each intersection where there's a little knot that ties everything together, right, there's a jewel, well, the jewel represents each one of us, right? So each one of us has one on there, right? You're, it's, it's kind of like the Mandala theory. So if you're, if you're the jewel at the very center of that net, and then all the other jewels, basically everybody else in the world, the ones closest to you are friends and family, and then the connections go farther and farther until you yourself really aren't 
aware of them, but they're connected somehow to all the other connections, right? So the idea with Indra's net is that it is impossible to develop yourself to a higher level, okay, and not affect every other gem in the net. It's also impossible to uh, to diminish or demean or render yourself powerless or become a jack wagon or whatever, right? Pull yourself down without affecting every other gem in the net, okay? Now, obviously, the ones that are closest to you get affected the most, okay? So the, the symbolism is you reach in and you grab that, that jewel or that gem and you lift up and you can see the entire net come in. Now, the farther away from the gem it is, it's harder and harder to see movement, but movement still occurs. And that occurs regardless of whether you lift up on it or pull down on it. But what happens is the ones out on the fringe come closer because they're affected. One way or the other, they're affected. But the ones closest to you are also pulled down or lifted up as a result of that. Okay. So the belief that I should be able to do whatever I want and nobody else should care because it doesn't affect them. I don't see what their problem is. Right. Is egocentric bullshit. Okay. How can you not believe that your emotional state is not affecting everybody else near you? How can you not believe that your actions or uh, speech or whatever is not affecting everybody else around you? Right. Ego would like that to be true. Right. Because that gives them ultimate gives it ultimate freedom. But there is no such thing. Right. So anyway. Right. Um, so anyway, we're having this conversation. And what came up was this idea, right? Now, we described it as the quantum field. Ancient Buddhists described it differently. Same thing with the Brahmins and whatever, okay? But what we were discussing was this, uh, this principle that uh, thoughts produce waves, just like light does, just like sound does, whatever. That's how we can pick up on them, okay? And so, and this is what the, the Goma fire, uh, the goal-setting fire ceremony and all that kind of stuff that we work, um, works on as well, right? That if you come up with something, you're simultaneously putting it out into the world. And if you don't act on it, somebody else could end up picking up on it and if they act on it, well, then they're the ones that put it out in the world and start the craze or get the credit or whatever, right? But also, here's something that really blows the mind. When you have an idea, was it originally authentically yours, or did you just happen to pick up on something that was floating around that somebody else put out, but they didn't act on? Interesting. So I don't know. I have other things to worry about other than where it came from. Um, but can you see how thinking this way can help put ego in its place and not let it run amok like it? it's the creator of everything. It's the, uh, to a point it is, right, because of your reality. But 
anyway. So, um, I wonder if Candyman's the same one that does the, uh, does the, uh, passive aggressive post on my, uh, YouTube shorts. Sometimes they're, uh, sometimes they're positive and sometimes they're, uh, well, let's just call it not so much. Probably not. Probably just somebody else's name, which is fine as well. Okay. Anyway, um, Hopefully everybody gets that I read the, read the comments. <laughs> Some are pretty damn funny. Anyway, um, so is that is that all we have at the moment? That's good. Yeah. Uh, one other one, Paula Miller dropped in. I do not know much about martial arts. I have listened to several of your podcasts, and I have learned a lot about meditation and self discipline. It was tough at first. Now I can't imagine going a day without meditating for at least ten minutes. A day. It is amazing how a few minutes a day can change your outlook for a positive change and a recharge. Awesome. Paul is an ex-sister-in-law, just for transparency's sake, and I did not pay her to say nice things. All right. And no, Paula, I'm not going to pay you to say nice things. You can say whatever you want. So, um, so, and it, that's cool. The cool thing about this is you don't have to know anything about martial arts. Um, it's just uh, talking to, as a matter of fact, I think it was during my conversation with Terrence today. Um, before he enrolled in the program, we were discussing um, how the martial arts is a really great vehicle for conveying a lot of these for personal development things, right? I mean, think about it. The, the average self-help book, right? Um, the average person doesn't get past page 19, but they've got a bookshelf loaded with self-help books. I wonder why they're not getting that far ahead. Okay. Um, but if you think about martial arts, and I think, I think subjects in school, right? History, whatever. I, I think they should be taught using martial arts. Okay. I mean, think about personal development, right? If you're working on time management, you can work on that for your entire freaking life and never get it right. But in martial arts, you work on time management from day one. Somebody's throwing a punch at your face and you decide you're not going to move because you don't feel like it. Or you don't have an imperative sense of getting the task done as quickly as possible. You get punched in the face or you get kicked in the crotch. Okay. I bet people would learn geometry a whole lot faster in freaking school if they got the angle wrong and they got kicked in the groin or they got punched in the throat or whatever. Okay. People have fucking straight A's all the way through, <laughs> right? But time management, uh, think about ancient Japan. Everybody fantasizes about, you know, being an ancient warrior and all that. Really? Right? I've, I've heard some of these, I've seen or seen written words or whatever, right? Um, oh, shit, social media is rife with this kind of stuff, right? If we lived in ancient Japan, right? Most of these people would be would be offering up their heads, right, or committing seppuku to save face for their family and friends for their comments or disrespect or whatever, okay? Or they would have to draw their sword and put their life, not their money, where their mouth is. They'd have to put their life where their mouth is, okay? One of my teachers used to say, 
um, you know why warriors live all over, true warriors, why they live, like, or why, they're, why we're scattered all over the planet? It's because we, if we all lived in one place, we'd fucking take over. Right? Who wants that? Oh, my God. We'd have to follow rules and, and have etiquette. And even if we didn't believe something to be true, we'd have to fake it. Otherwise, um, somebody might, like, kill me and give me the ultimate do-over. Because, you know, they believe in reincarnation or rebirth, at least. Right. So anyway. Um, right. So uh, let's just let's just continue on. All right. So here, let me get my notes here again. Right. So. Um, <clears throat> so positive affirmations. Right. Do they work? Um, should you use them? Why don't they seem to work? Let's take these one at a time. Right. Um, do they work? Some people. Right. There's a whole camp. Yep, yep, they work, man. I, I do my positive affirmations every day. Look how far I've gotten. I've got a couple of mentors that uh, these guys, these guys have, they have a couple of dollars, right? Um, and they, well, one lives in a castle and one's a minimalist. He has a two-bedroom apartment, three-bedroom apartment with his wife, and he does his podcast from an empty hallway. And they got rid of all their furniture except for a bed and a futon, I think, in the living room. Because the more shit you have, the more you have to, the more cost it is for upkeep. Right? So either way, both, both extremes, right? Um, one of them, like, preaches positive affirmations. The other one is like, yeah, no, I used to do those. No, no, I don't, I don't care if they work, don't know if they, whatever, right? So there's people on both sides, right? Yes, it works. I would never not do them. No, it doesn't. Whatever, right? James, you've experienced that as well, right? There's people on both sides of the camp, right? So at least the question, right? Do they work? Well, I, I understand things from both sides, okay? Um, I believe that they can work. I make them work. Uh, I can, I can understand why they, why they don't work. And I've had moments in my life where no matter how much I tried, right, they did nothing. Okay. And it wasn't until I figured out how they're supposed to work or, or other things that are necessary to help them work, um, unless they're there. Yeah. So, um, so the answer really is, uh, do they work? Well, it depends. Right. It depends. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along, right? Should, should uh, you know, should the student use them? Well, it depends. It de- again, it depends on what's your agenda. I mean, if you think this is going to be like a magic bullet, then no, stay away from it because you're just going to do more. You're going to waste time and you're going to do more, um, more to increase the the level of delusions, or at the very least, you're going to increase your level of frustration, anxiety uh hatred whatever right um but the big question is why don't they seem to work no matter how often i do them okay and that's really where the question lies right because the for the people that things are working there could be there could be many things it, it could be the way they've structured the affirmations right um it could be uh, that they're doing more than just kind of throwing things out there. But I think, not without knowing any individual's context, right, I can only speak for mine. I think for those who 
are having a problem making them work. It's uh, in large part because they're trying to make them work in the face of other negative self-talk that is way stronger. And they don't realize that there's a contradiction. Okay? They don't realize that you can't fill in the blank, I am, with a piece of shit or worthless or whatever, with I am wealthy, I am a ninja, I am whatever, um, because the I am a piece of shit or whatever it is has been there way longer. And it's come up way more often. Okay. Um, in Mikio, we, we describe the subconscious part of the subconscious, um, in terms of a, uh, a subconscious storehouse. Okay. It's where memories and experiences and all that kind of stuff are, but um, we're talking about little pieces of things, right? Um, the, one of the words, I get, we don't need to talk about the, 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 Sanskrit or whatever, but it translates to smelling, smelly or stinking seed. And what it is, is just waiting for the right conditions and then boom, right? Um, I use an old 70s, 80s computer term. Uh, we, we called it click were, right? Cause your, your electric typewriter or your teletype that you program the computer with these big ass hard keys. When you hit it, there was a resounding click. And then everything was saved on magnetic tape. So these things whirred around, right, made this whirring sound as they spun to find the information and then do the calculations and stuff like that, right? So this is what habitual responses are like, whether they're thoughts, right, uh, habitual tendencies that way, or they're phrases that we always use or whatever, right, actions. And this sounds really, really simple, but thoughts can be everything from intentions to internal dialogue, to uh, the way we process something, assumptions we jump to, all kinds of things, right? Speech can be spoken. It can be unspoken with the mouth, but we're speaking it in our head. It's still talk, right? It's just not going out into the world, but we're listening to it, right? Um, It could be the written word, and it can also be um feelings that come up that create sounds okay like if i go hmm right we all know what that means right i'm being thoughtful about something or you know um my well now it's a grandson right but when my kids were growing up they could be reaching out for something and i go ah, 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 ah. spell that please it doesn't matter, right? They understand, oh, that was a, mm don't do that, okay? So, uh, you know, little grunting noises or whatever, right? It's the use of those tones and intonations and, and whatnot, right? It's it's using sound to communicate. But it can, all, again, it can also be the written word. And then actions, right? We're going to talk about... Something, and I'm going to give, uh, I'm giving some suggestions tonight for, for fixing some things. Um, and some of them are going to sound super, super simple, or they're also going to sound like, well, how the hell is that going to do anything? Okay. But I'll give you a hint. Most people think that they have to go and do 
different things like uh, do a different job or they have to practice more often or that whatever, right? But they never give much thought to how their perception of themselves, their value and their potential are tied to how they dress and their environment. I'll talk about why that's true as we as we continue on, okay? But the reality is, again, I don't know any individual person's context, right? But th- this 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 question points to this inner dialogue, self talk, right? But not at a conscious level, because we've told ourselves so certain things so much or so often. And often in ways that we don't even realize we're doing it because we didn't say, Jeff, you are fill in the blank, which is what we're trying to do with positive affirmations, right? We've done it so much that the brain, remember, the brain creates shortcuts, okay, Um, where you get one or two pieces of clue, uh, you know, one or two clues, and all of a sudden it runs that click were response because right, why bother with the rest? It's the same thing every day. So well, why is it the same thing every day? Because I'm a creature of habit. I don't change my habits. I don't change what I do, how I do it, when I do it. Right. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to be like one of the other 99% of great people in the world that gets up in the morning, eats breakfast, goes to work during the day. I, pee and shit, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, wake up tomorrow morning and do it all over again. My weekends pretty much look the same. My vacations pretty much look the same. The way I think about, do things, speak about things and all that are all the same. So, yep, those brains are pretty well set for shortcuts. Unless we wake them, wake it up and make it work and make it observe and make it pay attention to things and question, is that really true? Or is that really the right answer today, now, this time, right? Well, it's, it's just, I mean, you've seen one of these things. You've seen it all, right? I mean, every time this happens, right, it's always the same. Is it really? So this experience with this person who's not the same as that person you had the experience with before, right? I don't care. I live near a an amusement park, right? Free admission, whatever. Lots of people in the area go, right? Some people just go to eat, right, because they want fair food, and then they go home, right? They don't even ride the rides, okay? This park has had the same, like 80% of the rides are the same that they've had for as long as I can remember, okay? And I've been there with my kids countless times, now with my grandson countless times. Well, I can count those, but you get the idea, right? Um, But it's never the same park. It's never the same experience. I know it has the same address, and I know how to find it every time, but there's always changes. I never get parked in the same spot, so therefore my entrance into the park is always different, right? There's never the same people there, ever, right? So the energy's different. The weather's different. So how can I possibly have the same experience? 
So if that's true about that park, how is meeting with my sister any different? Or talking with my wife at the end of the day? We're both different. I know we're the same person, but we're not really the same person because we've had experiences and learned things that day. And there's, again, Mikio goes real, real deep. There's lots of people that say they want to do that, but um, the people that went through the Sanji Shichidobon program, I think the general consensus was this is just too damn much hard work. Not that they quit, but they were what, James, probably a third of the way through, and it was getting exhausting because it's easier said than done, right? Most people want a magic pill that they can swallow. Okay. I've always said my dojo would be a whole lot more uh, profitable if I could put a drive-up window system in it. Okay, it's just like kids; they want they want the benefits, but they don't want to do the work because the work is boring, the work is tedious, the work is challenging, the work is frustrating. Right? You want to hear frustrating? Start listening to yourself talk. Every guru I know, every quote I keep bringing up, right, to look for, uh, you know, what, what, uh, you know, like for progress and, and personal development and stuff. Inevitably, every one of these people somewhere in their writings or their lessons or whatever say the same thing. Maybe a little differently, but it's the same message. Right? Um, most people won't. Because it's too much work, right? Most people spend their time and effort. Now, not us, right? Not, not you guys, because we're all enlightened, right? But they spend most of their time doing what ego does. And it's judging everyone else. Because heaven forbid we turn the microscope or telescope on ourselves. But that's the only way you make change. Okay. Um, where am I on my notes? So, so the inner dialogue and the self-talk, right? Um, <laughs> most people are trying to make things happen at a conscious level, but they don't realize how deep the unconscious and subconscious stuff is going on. All the seeds, not only all the seeds that have been planted, but the number of each of those seeds, let's say that I, I, I call myself stupid, right? I don't, but let's say I call myself stupid. I used to. That's a seed. But every time I call myself stupid, that's another of the same seed. And if, if we really start to look at the process, some of us have silos full of the same seeds. Now, how many positive affirmations do I have to say where I'm intelligent to at least neutralize and break even on the I'm stupids? And what else is in there? Okay. It's just, this is, now, let's talk about biology for a second, right? I'm not going to make this boring, I promise. Okay. When people are trying to learn a self-defense technique or a martial arts technique, and they get frustrated because they're, they 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 understand it, they've seen it, right? But their body won't do things the way they want it to do. They you know they think they're doing one thing, but their body's really stepping somewhere else, or they're having a flexibility problem, or their right timing's off, whatever, right? Well, 
the science behind that is your brain and your neural network, right? Call it muscle memory for, for shits and giggles, right? Has created synaptic pathways. I've got a, I've got a brain scientist in the background behind or somewhere around James over there, unless she's napping. Um, and I, again, I'm, I'm dumbing this down, not really dumbing it down. I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. It has built neural networks. Remember that getting things from point A to point B. So we jump to conclusions based on one or two pieces of information, right? Well, your brain sets up neural pathways to, to do the things that we do routinely very quickly. Okay. So when we're trying to learn a new move, one that we've never done before, and the reason why we're having coordination problems is because the brain and the body are having a lag time. They're having a problem getting muscles to fire the right way based on the current neural network. Again, I'm oversimplifying, right? Is she at least nodding yes in the background there, James? No? Is she not there? Okay, fair enough. So it's like AT&T or Verizon or whatever. There's a, well, back when they were landlines anyway, right? So there's this neural network. And if we quit or don't practice that enough, we don't convince the brain and the body that change is necessary. So it has no reason to build a pathway to do that thing quickly and easily. Do you understand? This is important. This is for a physical movement. Same thing works for mental habits, verbal habits, all that. Okay? So when we do it, uh, one of the things that um, one of my teachers, uh, including Shrey Sensei, uh, said was, you know, when you learn ninja walking, not necessarily like a fancy stealth movement or whatever, but proper ninja walking from the ground up, how your feet should move, all that kind of stuff, right? You practice that every time you're walking, right? Now, in the beginning, it's going to be slower because you're thinking about all this stuff. So you may not be able to do it all the time, but whenever nobody's watching, whenever you're not in a race to get someplace or you're not under a deadline or whatever, then you practice it. Because practice, what you're practicing, it's kind of like meditation. What you're practicing is the thing you want to be doing all the time. And you have to practice it till you get to the point where you don't only not think about it, but you can't do the other way anymore. Um, if, if I weren't a teacher, there's, there's some things that, you know, like I try to show somebody else's uh, way of doing things, right? Um, and I'm, I'm okay with it, right? Cause I know how they're doing it. I know how their body's working, but there was a time before I got really good at mimicking other people's good or bad tied to that I couldn't make the same mistake. Like I couldn't walk the way I used to, whatever. Right. So here's the thing. When you do something long enough, and you stop doing the old way, your brain recreates itself. It tears down the old neural net and reallocates that stuff 
because the new one, the new habit, is the one it's doing all the time. So we need to do that as quickly as possible. We're not doing that thing anymore. So you don't need it. It doesn't hold on to it. But it has to be done enough that it convince, it's, it's convinced. Okay? Um, for those people who are uh, like trying to lose weight or whatever, right? There are enzymes in your fat cells. One, so fat molecules, your fat cells, again, dumbed down version. Your fat cells are like wiffle balls, for anybody who knows what a wiffle ball is, right? It's a hollow plastic ball with holes in it, okay? Blood flows through, fluids flow through, whatever. There's two enzymes in there. One, because fat molecules are too small, they'll pass through the wiffle ball in and out. So to create fat storage, you have these enzymes that will link the fat molecules so now they can't get out. So one links them, and the other one breaks the link so they can go out into the bloodstream and they can be burned. Okay? If you don't do things where you need that often enough, at night when you're sleeping and your body needs protein to repair damage, I don't know, for those five beers that you drank or for the bruises that you got during class or whatever, right? Um, if you're not taking enough protein in your diet, it will borrow protein from you. And one of the first things it grabs is the shit that's not needed. And enzymes are protein chains. So I learned this from a, he called himself a nutritionalist because most people didn't want to hear human biochemist, right? So um, because these things are being used, they get reallocated. And then when you need them, because you're going to do a different type of exercise, you're going to do whatever, right? It needs to rebuild them and put them back. But I was taught by this guy that you need to do something 13 to 20 days in a row, minimum. For some people, it can be a month or three, depending on how long it's been. For the brain and the body to be convinced that you're actually serious and for it to put it back. Okay. So, again, if this is true on a chemical or biological level, And for those of you listening in on the audio-only stuff, I just pointed at my brain and my mouth. Okay, So here's the question, right? What's going on at a subconscious or unconscious level for each person? Again, because I would have to know their context, right? So for me, it was really, really hard, okay? Because not only did I create my own inner dialogue, right, based on beliefs about myself, but a lot of the inner, inner dialogue and, and self-talk was programmed by other people. Some of you people, some of you guys know my, my backstory and that uh, stepfather that I had, right? Um, he used words like stupid and, and all kinds of things all the time, right? So the inner dialogue wasn't always my voice, but it was a voice, okay? And the problem with that is, it's kind of like torture. It's kind of like the Chinese water torture or anything like that. The longer it goes on, the easier it is for the brain to take something where somebody says you are and accept it as I am. 
Because the most powerful statement that you could ever make is I am and then whatever comes after it. Okay? Because you have a snapshot, uh, like a Polaroid or whatever, in the background. Okay? This is why when someone suggests that you do something or you try to say something, like those positive affirmations, or you try to do something that's out of habit, it's outside your comfort zone, you get weird feelings. Right? You feel funny. You, you, there might even be, be an inner voice that goes, bullshit, bullshit. Right? Or you get that sick feeling in your gut. Or you get a lump in your throat. Whatever. Okay? So... <laughs> The reason why a lot of these things don't work is that it's not because we don't want them to work. It's often not because of the way we're doing them. It's because we don't understand the way the process works. And so we're not working a good process. Okay? We're throwing something at it. It's like throwing a jello mold at the wall and hoping that it'll stick or we nail it there. And that's, you know, it's going to be a cool decoration. Okay? Yeah. Well, it'll do something. Not for very long. Okay. So, um, first, let's, let's do this quickly. Um, cause I'm going to fire through the rest of this because I've got suggestions and all that kind of stuff, but we're going to pull some stuff from our Mikio and, um, and some other lessons I've gotten from teachers and whatnot that have really, really helped me. I'm not telling you how to do anything, right? I'm just telling you what's worked for me and I'm going to make suggestions and I'll give you some ideas. But ultimately, just like when it came to me and my teachers giving me things, um, it's going to be up to you, right? As the Buddha said on his deathbed, okay, you're going to have to work this, out, this stuff out for yourself, okay? Um, he once had a uh, – he gave an analogy with, with people when they were working karma and fixing things. And what he did was he took a ball of, uh, like, string or whatever, and he tied a knot. And then he tied a knot on top of that. And he tied a knot on top of that. And he just kept doing this. There was this big old freaking ball of knots. Okay. And he said that you tied the knots. Only you can untie the knots. But you're going to have to untie the knots in the reverse order, right? Because you got to get to the core, right? But you have to do it. They're your knots. Okay. And a wish and a prayer isn't going to work. Okay. Um, anyway, so James, questions, comments, whatever, before I move on to this next piece, because we need to we need to do a refresher on um, quickly how our reality is created. Well, that sounds deep, but I'm going to make it really quick. <laughs> <laughs> questions, comments? No, nothing new. All right, so either I put people to sleep or uh, I don't know. Anyway, all right, so quick, quick, right? Our reality is created in three ways, typically all together, but uh, not all are working at the same time, okay? So our reality is created with our thoughts, okay? What we think is true about things, right, um, makes them true, even if, if only for us, right? There's a bunch of people running around the world um, thinking that they're this or that or whatever. Um, and uh, 
there's a bunch of people that are reinforcing it, and the whole bunch of them didn't read the Emperor's New Clothes because the Emperor's naked. Okay? So, um, but we create them with our thoughts. Okay? And whatever's going on the inside, if we believe it to be true, and this isn't just the words that are flying around in your head. Okay? We're talking about deep-seated, rooted beliefs, views, perspectives, those kind of things, right? About three things, you, others, and the world, and then, of course, the way those things interact or the way they should interact, okay? Second way we create uh, our world or our reality is through our words, okay? We will attract certain people because they speak the same way or they like the way we're speaking. We will repel certain people because they don't like the way we speak. Uh, they don't like the, the tone of our voice, whatever, or they speak in different ways, right? So that's not going to function, okay? Um, this isn't just the way we speak here. I mean, think about it, right? If I got dropped into a circle of people that spoke a different language and I, I couldn't speak their language, a lot, a good part of that group would not try to figure out my language or help me figure out theirs, they would simply go away because it's too difficult. Okay. So um, not just cultural tongue, not just whatever. Okay. Not just slang. Right. That's why we have this concept of right speech, not right as in like dogmatic or rule based where you have to do it this way. Right. Uh, right means right and appropriate contextually for the situation I'm in. A lot of people are too stuck in their perception of themselves and that take me or leave me because I'm not changing. I'm only ever going to do things one way. And then they can't figure out why they can't produce results. Okay. Those who are close to me know that on the floor, when I'm in instructor mode, there's certain parts of me that lead. When we're having business or strategy meetings with my team, it's a different part of me that's leading, right? The voice sounds the same. James, you can tell a difference, yes? Huh? Somebody doesn't, you know, if, if there's a student, well, and even depending on the, the student and the program they're in, there's certain students where if they're not practicing, like I just remind them, look, you know, imagine how much better you'd be if you practiced. Okay? If they're in a different program, the words I use, I wouldn't use another another program, and I'd be using different words. It would have nothing to do with practice. It have, would have to do with them hauling their happy ass out of that goddamn door because they're wasting my time and their effort. Okay? They get a different reflection of me. Okay? If I'm sitting in a senior a corporate senior VP, business owner, or CEO's office, um, and we're discussing their needs in a, you know, to make their, their business more secure uh, from workplace violence, right? I'm neither of those two people that I just discussed. Okay. In that context, there's more of me forward that's more like a doctor trying to diagnose a problem or a disease because I can't apply a, a solution, okay? Now, if I'm doing employee training, parts of one of those faces come back, right? But other parts of me come forward. If I'm teaching my four-year-old grandson, there's a whole different reflection. The more we can understand that there's these different aspects and 
certain ones need to lead and those okay so it's words and presentation okay and we produce our reality based on our actions everything from the way we carry ourselves posture to the way we dress to the way we walk and carry ourselves to the choices we make to the activities we participate in right we attract certain people repel other people we communicate to the world and the universe that this is who I believe I am. That's going to be attractive to some people, not attractive to others. Okay. Um, but this is where it all starts. Okay? So we're not, what we need to understand when we're trying to do a change for ourselves is that the thoughts that we have, right? I'm not worrying about these things. I'm not worrying about other people at the moment. Because I need to fix me. Okay. And when I turn the microscope inward, what matters is my thoughts, my inner dialogue, my beliefs, my perspectives, my views. Okay. When it comes to other people, the words and the actions are reflections of those in, inner things. Those are reflections of the inner reality. And they're affecting things out there. I don't care. When I'm working on myself, the words and deeds, the words and actions and activities are potentials for recognizing the unconscious and subconscious thoughts that are steering, that are driving. How can you be conscious of the unconscious and subconscious? The conscious mind doesn't work that way. It can't tap into them, but it can observe and it can listen. James, does that make sense? Okay. So we have to recognize that self-talk is not just about what we say sometimes, which are what positive affirmations are. Okay? So a huge part of the First Seven Steps program, some of you guys know that some of you are enrolled in it, some of you know about it and whatnot. Um, this is another iteration that we're doing. I'm just going to do a quick little thing here. I'm not even going to talk about people enrolling. Um, mention that at the end if if you want to but a huge part of this program right is to help students go beyond the surface level right of what's going on with regards to the way they think the way they communicate to themselves outside all that stuff right it points out things that people don't even know that they should be looking at Okay, and what effects those things have over dialogue and all these other things. Okay. It really breaks things down and looks at things um, that either people don't give any kind of importance to because it's just, it's just an idea. I mean, you know, it's just what I say, man. It's just the way I say it. Right. I mean, I don't see what the big deal is. Okay. And therein lies part of the problem. Okay. And it also highlights and points out things that people for well over 2,500 years have been identifying as critical to overcoming negativity, reducing or eliminating suffering, and producing results and success faster because we stop expecting other people to get with our diluted program and we get with the universal program Based and we start acting and operating based on the principles and concepts that hold everything together. 
whether we like them or not. Okay? It's kind of like gravity, right? You don't have to believe in gravity. Right? People think they can just believe in whatever they want. Well, you can. Doesn't mean it's gonna, doesn't mean it's going to produce good results, right? Okay. So, um, again, right? We're we're, we're going to be going through that. We just started one class, and and um, those who went through the Sanjay Global program, which was uh, that was a thirty-seven fundamentals program, right? Um, not only did they come out realizing how much work was involved, right? Um, and it feels like a lot of work because. In all honesty, most people, right? I mean, we, we created ourselves with help of others, right? But it was mostly incidentally or accidentally, right? We didn't give much thought to it. So it didn't feel like anything happened. But now we're going to do it intentionally and we have to watch things and we have to observe things. We have to learn things. We have to act out of character because that's what it's like. We've built a character. We have to act out of character and we have to bring ourselves more into alignment with this vision that most people don't even have a clear version of themselves there's a lot of wants but like you know i want to be this martial arts master great how does a martial arts master think how does a martial arts master speak about certain things and that you can't use vague term well you can right well they, they sound very wise yeah i know but what the hell are they saying okay how do they think about environments and situations that they're in what sets up flags for them when there's a potential for risk or threat right uh, i want to have more money i want to be wealthy i want to be okay great how do wealthy people think about money well they're greedy they want a lot of it mm, yeah okay try again okay um how do they think about time management how do they think about uh gratification and buying things most people don't have what it takes because most people can't can't operate from a level of delayed gratification. Okay. Anyway, right? I want to have a million dollars. Great. Most people, based on their the average pay in this country, and it's not very much. Okay. Over a forty year work uh, work life. Okay. Um, will have made a million dollars. But wealth is in how much you keep, not in how much you make. So everyone, congratulations. You will have made a million dollars in your working lifetime. But what people really mean is I would like to have it in my bank account in a shorter period of time so I can invest it or make have those dollars make babies or enjoy the you know the benefits of my hard labor and stuff like that. Okay? But just saying I want to have a million dollars or I want to make a million dollars, well, that's a given. The reason they can't see it is because they don't know how to do the math or they don't know how to leverage their abilities. They don't know how to present things in a way that solve problems for a bigger number of people or that um, that is seen as valuable by other people, things that people want to learn or things that people want to own or whatever. Right. Um, that's what does it. Right. I mean, otherwise you set up a dictatorship and you force people to do things. But if you don't, if you recognize needs, you recognize human tendencies and habits and things like that and put things out there that 
help them grow where they want to grow, avoid what they want to avoid, those kind of things, right? You, you can't not make money. But not knowing the process is no reason to condemn people who do. Okay? Ignorance begets ignorance, right? So anyway, all right, so this inner dialogue, right? So I already mentioned this, right? The power of the phrase I am, right, cannot be understated, okay? There's two ways to recognize the effect that this phrase has on you, okay? One, you listen to yourself when you speak, right? This was a huge thing that I got from from teachers, okay? Listen. Uh, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. Okay? Uh, the, the author is long since deceased. He was a Jesuit priest. His name was Anthony DeMello. He wrote a bunch of books, really, really good things. Um, he has one on, uh, I think it's called Love. Um, first paragraph, the first chapter punches you right in the throat. And I don't mean makes you cry. Well, it might. But it's a, you don't really love anybody. Um, you love yourself, your desires, and you love what you perceive that they are and how that will benefit you. Cause if you didn't, you wouldn't go apeshit if they acted out of character. You would accept them for who they are. Interesting, huh? But anyway, the book I'm recommending is not love. The book I'm recommending is one minute wisdom. So the book is nothing but these little snippets, right? Every page takes a minute or less to read, as long as you're an average reader, a minute or less to read, but it could take a little while to get your head wrapped around it. Okay. The central character in this book is just called the master. And so I'm going to give you a little heads up just in case you're one of these people that skip over the introduction, which lays out the reasoning for the whole damn book, especially in nonfiction books. The master could be a Buddhist monk, a Catholic priest, a, a Jewish rabbi, whatever. It's, it's denominational neutral, even though he was a Catholic priest, right? It's neutral because the master is somebody who gets it. Okay? They understand. So uh, in one of these little parables... A disciple goes to the master and says, um, you know, I, I want to be more enlightened. And you keep teaching about like paying attention. Right. And, um, you know, just being mindful. Right. How do I do that? And the master says, listen. And he says, OK, listen. Uh, to what? The master says, listen. Okay. But, you know, it goes through this whole little thing, right? And then it, the, the disciple finally says, well, like, how long do I do this? How long do I listen? And the master finally says, when you hear what you yourself are saying, you can stop. Okay. Your words are the bridge to what's going on, on the inside. They're the bridge to your belief system about you, who you are, what you are, how you think you're related. And I don't mean family, but how other people think about you, 
the connection, what's possible for you, all those things. Okay. So you listen to yourself speak. And the second way is to listen to yourself. I know I just said that, right? But this is your feelings, your emotions. Okay. So Reverend Jikai, my Mikyo teacher, when we were going through this kind of training, he reminded me that feelings arise based on your views and perceptions and whether or not what was going on in the moment matched your expectations. When they don't, we get angry or we hate or we get frustrated or we get anxious. When they do, aren't we so happy? Okay. Um, so they're an indication as to what your expectations or what your belief system is. Okay. But feelings are unspoken, right? But it's an activity, right? The body's having this endocrine rela- uh, release, right? Your adrenals are kicking in and your adrenals kick in with anger and defensiveness and things like that whenever a threat is perceived. You've already pre-wired your amygdala and your hypothalamus and your internal self-defense system with what you're supposed, what ego is supposed to be guarding you against, what you find is a threat, which is anything counter to beliefs, anything counter to viewpoints, anything counter to the way people should speak, scripting, whatever. I think it's ironic in today's world that um, the people that uh, or worrying about being indoctrinated or whatever, right? Um, or surfing TikTok and YouTube shorts and things like that and picking up on like somebody's explanation about how to, um, how to defend an argument in this realm or about that topic or whatever this social issue is or whatever, right? And what they do is they just memorize that. So when the topic comes up, they can just spit it out. Now, if that's not indoctrination, self-induced or not, I don't know what is. It's certainly not free thinking, because if it were free thinking, they would look at all sides, look at positives and negatives, repercussions and influence and effect, come up with a stance and be able to be able to explain that without anybody else's help. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the deluded one. Okay. Welcome to the ride. Okay. So that's part of the assignment, right? Part part of the thing, right? Listen. Okay. Listen to the way you describe things. Listen to the phrases and try to find those things that are just routine. Right. Um, I, this was a me a long, long time ago, right? Because of the programming and the emotional manipulate, all kinds of things, right? Um, like I was really skilled in certain areas, really, really knowledgeable in areas and things like that. And if somebody complimented me, not only would I tell them that that wasn't true, 
but it would trigger a negative feeling in me. Even if I knew that that thing was true. Where the hell did that come from? Well, again, if you didn't watch the video, I've I've suggested this many, many times. So those of you who have or have heard this before, again, I apologize for this because I'm just catching up the the new folks or the folks that are first time listeners. Um, If you have not watched the video, what the bleep do we know? I highly recommend that you watch it. Okay, because it simplifies the process by which when your cells divide, subdivide, and create sister cells, the sister cells have more docking ports on them for peptides, these chemicals and things that, that the hypothalamus releases that are mood inducers. And the state that you keep yourself in more often, happy, angry, anxious, depressed, whatever, um, there's peptides for these things. Okay, and so remember what I said, the human system is designed to adapt itself to get the things done that are routine as quickly as possible, right, and as easily and smoothly as possible. So when your cells subdivide, the sister cells have more docking ports for the emotional peptides that will put you in the state faster. Now, if you understand that, what do you have to do? You have to find ways by hook or by crook to put yourself in experiences or allow yourself to have experiences long enough. How long does it take to recreate an ear? How long does it take to recreate a liver? How long does it? Because we're talking about this stuff is programmed at the cellular level. Okay. That you have to do this often enough that as your cells subdivide, the sister cells have the docking ports that have at least neutralized. Right. So you have an equal amount for all these different emotions, which is wholeness. Or you have less of the old way and more for the new way that you want to be experiencing life. It's not an easy task. The cool thing is that modern science has backed all this stuff up. So it's harder for people to to write things off as that dumbass Asian ancient woo woo bullshit. I don't believe in that. Well, no, nobody nobody cares whether you believe it or not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the outliers, right? Because again, you guys are all enlightened. But nobody gives a shit that you that you believe in it. The universe certainly doesn't. The universe is pretty freaking cold. Okay, it gives you what you want. It gives you what you go after, but it shows you what you want to see, and right, everything's going on at the same time. It's how you're tuned in. You're like a radio or a TV. Whatever channel you're tuned into, that's the program you get, bud. Okay? So you either wake up and realize that you have the damn remote control in your freaking hand, or you just keep on going the way you are, hoping that things will just change because you want them to. In all honesty, that's how we all got here, so... Anyway, so I have a couple of exercises for anybody that cares, right? Um, There's still some folks on, but I'm going to check in with James here first. Um, First of all, James, do you have anything you want to throw on top of this stuff? Because you've been working on this stuff for a while. Anything new resonate with you or anything, um, I don't know, anything you hear a lot that you think people really need to 
pay attention to? Still working on it a lot myself, so. Um. Me too. Can't wait to get this shit right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, any comments or, or questions from anybody? Um, Dave Fletch just threw out that's what they need a magic pill for. Just add water and voila, $1 million. Dude, when you figure that out, don't let me know. Because there's got to be something wrong with that. <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, I'm just going to keep going then. If it's okay with everybody, we'll just get through this. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's not too painful. We'll just keep on going, right? So, all right. Um, exercise one has two parts to it, okay? So we already talked about this, right? But exercise one is listen and take stock. Right? So if you're taking notes, that'd be great. If not, you'll have the recording later, right? So listen and take stock, right? In what, right? A, we're going to engineer statements to neutralize feelings and counter or change the perception, uh, the self-perception that's going on, perception of ourselves, right? So this sounds a lot like the positive affirmations, right? We're going we're gonna to engineer these statements. Now, I don't know if I – do I have a program out yet for how to make positive – correct positive affirmations and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, but just a couple of quick tips. Uh, they should be future or they should be present tense, not future tense. Like I want, no, I have. Yeah, but what if I don't? I don't give a shit. You lie to yourself all the time. Do it again. Okay. But do it with purpose. Okay. I have everything I need. I live a life of, uh, ease, uh, uh, pleasant days, Right. Uh, whatever. OK. The the brain cannot perceive the the, <laughs> the higher order of the brain that plays with abstracts. Can theorize future and past. But the part that you need to do what you need to do in the moment only understands what it's doing in the moment or what's going on in the moment. So if you're doing visualization stuff, which we'll talk about here in a minute. You have to make that in the moment. Even if it's a future tense thing, you need to shift it and operate within that visualization. This is what Mikio does. Operate within that visualization as though this were all true. Okay? Because if you don't, ego cries bullshit. Ego might cry bullshit anyway because you've got a whole lot of reinforcement behind it. Okay, so I've got a couple of other things to help with that. Right. But um, again, we're going to engineer statements to neutralize the feelings. Right. So how do we do that? Right. Um, next time you're angry. Okay. Just say, I'm angry. Stop using angry inflection and stop whatever. Right. Okay. Now, you may need to say this a couple of times. This is something I got. This, this was Mikio 101, right? Reverend Jikai talking about this stuff. But you can do the same thing if you're like overly ecstatic and you can't think straight either. Okay. You may have to say it a couple of times, right? But what you're looking to do is cut the emotion. And the way you cut the emotion is by using the intellect. As soon as you say, I'm angry, right? 
the feelings aren't leading anymore. Right? You may still have that that buzz going because the engine's still running, right? But if you say I'm angry, and then you start asking like Why am I angry? Okay, well because I did that. Okay, but why does that make you angry? Well, because did do that five times, right? What you do is you cut cold intellect with emotion because life without emotion has no has no experience. There's no depth of experience. And you cut um, highly energized emotion with intellect because emotion, I feel, I feel, well, fucking great. Okay, you feel, but how's that getting anything done other than pissing people off or you not doing anything? I feel like that shouldn't be right. Well, what's your baseline for that? Okay, so I would rather have somebody who was an intellectual building the bridge I'm about to drive over than somebody that felt like that was done right. But people want to run their lives because they feel like that's the right answer. I get it. There's gut level stuff. But intuition is not just emotional gut feeling. There's also a whole bunch of subconscious, unconscious knowledge that's playing in the background because we're using perception, conceptualization, and consciousness faculties that produce that that insight or that gut level feeling. Gut level feeling is I'm picking up a whole bunch of data and information that leads me in a certain direction, but intellectually I can't lay out a trail of hard fact evidence to back it up. When I can, it's not a gut feeling anymore. It's not suspicion. It's I can see it. Okay? So it can help guide, but you want somebody building your car or building your house that did it because it, like, I had a gut feeling that, you know, if I attached this this way, right, um, it would work out just fine. But, hey, you know, call me if something goes wrong or if your kid electrocutes himself. You know, whatever. Uh, no. How about if we not? Okay? And this stuff has been proven again and again and again for centuries, right? I mean, we're talking mandala that are, uh, that are what, 1,600 years old, based on stuff that's 2,500 years old, that's based on stuff that's three, four, 5,000 years old. More than a couple of people came up with an idea. Okay? So, so number one is this thing, but what, what are these statements based on, right? Based on what? Okay? So here's the second part of this exercise. We're going to take stock in our successes. Pull out a pad and paper. Start writing this shit down. I don't care how you feel while you're writing it down. I don't. Okay? Because if you're trying to recreate yourself for more success, you need to get over yourself. Okay? We like to say that narcissists and self-centered people need to get over themselves. But you know what? Pessimistic, down-on-themselves people need to get over themselves as well. Okay? It's just it's just the truth of the matter. Okay, you if we're going to recreate ourselves, we need to figure out where we are. Okay, and where we think we are is not the same as where we are. So you write down successes, past achievements, capabilities, skills, your value, whatever. If long list, right? If you don't know or can't figure it out, or your ego 
has put up so many fucking roadblocks that you can't get there, go ask people that you trust. What do you see? And no matter what they say, write it down. Okay? And be brave enough to not disconnect, shut down, or whatever. Make it an intellectual exercise. If you have to, pretend they're talking about somebody else. Shit, you can tell Pretend they're talking about me. I don't care. I got broad shoulders. Okay? So we're focusing on the positive, right? We can work on negative later when we're trying to fix certain things because some of these things are going to uncover bad habits, things like that, right? For right now, negative self-talk is the only bad habit you need to worry about. It's the only one. It's the only one that matters. Okay? So you're going to do this, right? You're going to take stock in these things. And then you're going to create first-person, present, I am, fill-in-the-blank, statements of the future you, right? But, again, they're present tense, right? So this thing, this person you want to be in the future, you're going to do it present tense. And every time you have a feeling that arises or negative self-talk that kicks in, whatever that self-talk is about, right? God, you're so stupid. No, you're not. I am intelligent, knowledgeable, and successful. Whatever that phrase is, what you're doing, Dave, what you're doing is creating the pills that you're going to take as the cure to the infection. And my suggestion is, and I'm using the dumb thing, right? Every time I say that thing, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat the neutralizing statement. Say, I don't even look at it as a, as a, as a positive affirmation yet. Because until I neutralize the shit, there is no moving in a positive direction. I need to get to zero first. I'm going to say it at least three times. Like, if I, if I catch myself going, oh, you're so stupid, I'm going to say the, the correction at least three times. Because how many times is I'm dumb in subconscious storehouse? It can't be a one for one. You'll always be operating in the negative. Okay? And you do it in lieu of feelings of or a Voice in the background, ego going, bullshit, bullshit, you know, it's not true. This is stupid. This doesn't work. Whatever. Do it in lieu of it. Because that's a product of past. Your ears and your current experience need to hear those words. Okay? And you can't, you can't wait for the world to shower you with those things. And for a lot of people, I know I was this way. For a lot of folks, when other people say it, you, you're grabbing Fudo's sword, yanking it out of his hand, and just cutting that that uh, validation or that compliment or whatever. You're just shredding it. Okay, so we're neutralizing the wrong things. I get it. I I came from a pretty shitty upbringing. I get it. Okay, now. 
I look at that shitty upbringing as, man, look at all the fodder I had for personal development. I, I absolutely believe that my upbringing gave me the drive, determination, and all the stuff, all the stuff I needed to work through because I didn't start in a comfort zone. People that had a very different upbringing, they're very comfortable, but want to do this stuff to make improvements, are always the slowest to start, take the longest time, and whatnot, because what's the downside of failing? Nothing. They're already comfortable. Okay? All right. So there's two other ways to do this. Okay? Remember the three ways to create our, that we create our reality, right? Our thoughts, our words, and our activities, our actions, whatever, our deeds, whatever word you want to use, right? It's the Sanmitsu, okay? So if we're only using positive affirmations or whatever to work on internal uh, self-talk, we're only using a third of the process. Because the, the inner dialogue is also reinforced by memories, which are visualizations, which are images, right? Um, weird dreams or, okay? And also the way we see ourselves, the reflection in the mirror. We catch ourselves making a mistake and then we'll say something about that or whatever. Okay? And the problem with that part is if we do the same things the same way all the time, we don't mix it up. Then Boca's region, right? For those of you who don't know, and again, for those of you who do, I apologize again. This is to catch folks up. You have a part on your brain right behind your mastoid process on both sides. It's called Boca's region. Okay. It filters out 99.9% of the stuff that you experience every day, that you experience every day. Okay. If you've ever heard somebody say in one ear and out the other, okay, like it's gone. Okay. It's because it got filtered out because that part of your brain is tied in with the parts. And again, my neuroscientist could tell you exactly where and how and whatever, but the functions are tied in with your survival mechanisms. And that part of your, that area in your brain and parts that are connected like that are all about filtering out the mundane so that we can recognize when something new pops up. Because evolutionarily speaking, if something new popped up, it was either going to kill you or kill people that you were trying to protect or you were going to miss your opportunity to eat and then you'd die for a, from, for a different reason. Okay. So we're still engineered for paying attention to new stuff. Okay. Anyway. All right. So visualization. So the two, two other ways, visualization and action based change. What we're going to talk about very, very quickly here is putting them together. Okay. Just putting them together. All right. So we're going to combine both of these into one activity and that activity is to change your environment now I'm not suggesting that you move 
from wherever you live, unless it's possible. Okay? Then I want you to think about your environment. Okay? You change your environment, and again, this is where it's tied into the, the activity is to change it, right? But when you change it, you're now doing things within a different layout. You see different things, right? So you change your environment so you see something different as you go through your day-to-day activities. This is why they come together, okay? So I want you to think about this. The way your current environment, I don't care if it's your office, your bathroom, your bedroom, your entire house, your backyard, I don't give a shit, your dojo, whatever, okay? Your current environmental layout reminds you of your past and current self. The way you dress, the way you speak, all that kind of stuff. When you change it, that part that keeps running the loop is now missing several things that feed the feedback loop. When you change the environment and you're seeing different things. Now, when I say environment, I also mean change the way you dress. How would the future you dress? Oh, same way. Okay, then there better be a bunch of other things that are different about that future you that you want to be. Because if it's all the same that you would be doing right now, the future you is going to be the same as you are right now. See, ego, when it, when it says, well, nothing would change, I just want that. Uh, so ego doesn't want to lose itself. It doesn't want to break its grip. It you don't get a different you don't get a you, you, life doesn't change unless you change life doesn't change unless your environment changes I'm a big fan of like the cosmic do-over move to a different freaking location okay? and I mean like nobody knows you you get to start fresh okay But you could try different food, eat at different times of the day, change your seating around the table. Hell, change the table to the tablecloth or whatever, right? Change things so that your experience and orientation with it is different so that your system has to adapt to the new. Because if you don't, 99.999% of everything that you do and the environment you move through will continue to remind you of your past, present circumstances and reality. Hell, you created it. Your decisions, your choices, what you bought, how you decided to put it there. You got used to it, numb to most of it. Change begets change. Okay. And this past, this, this environment thing, this is where the hard part comes in. Okay. Mikio relies on what's known as the simulacrum. Okay. 
simulacrum means that there's, there's a symbolic representation of whatever the goal is, everything, whether it's the way we speak, the way we carry ourselves, the way we dress, uh, could be like I have, you know, these statues and Dorje and things like that, right? This is not something that's common in the West. I know that things are becoming, you know, more available, but it's not common, which means this only means one thing to me. Well, there's multiple levels to it, but it only means one thing to me. So, you know, it's neat. I'll bump into things in the world, in my common world, that are like, oh, shit, I never noticed that looked like a Dorje. Huh. That's interesting. So now that thing is more likely to take on the meaning and context of this than this looking like something that's in my everyday world that's going to get dumbed down and dismissed because it reminds me of a ruler or a pencil or a whatever. We have to be careful how we create a simulacrum, right? I understand that people often don't have the money to be able to buy certain implements or whatever, but I rather you freaking uh, print a copy, print a picture onto a piece of paper or cardstock and cut it out and hold it in your hand. So you have something that looks closer to this than going, well, I'll just use a pen or whatever and pretend it's that thing. No, you won't. Cause you're so, you're too entrenched in it being a pen. Okay. So we need to dress differently. We need to speak differently. We need to act differently. Right. We need to look at different things. We need to participate in different activities. We need to avoid infections. And here's an infection. Unhappy and unlucky people. You cannot be powerful. You cannot be successful. Being surrounded by people who are not. Not for very long. James, how many episodes have I have I borrowed the Denzel Washington thing and several of our some of the other mentors and stuff that you know? Show me your five closest friends, right? I'll share your future. You're the average of that group, right? And if you're the leader, look at those other people. Okay? You're the leader. I'd rather be the low man in a better group. Because I got a ladder to climb and, and things that I can accomplish and learn from these people and whatnot. Than, than being the leader of people who are, well, they, they only ever want to go to the movies and drink beer and do what they, but no, we can't, we can't, we can't blame them. You chose to hang out with them. We have the power. Power is in our choices. We design our lives through the power of our choices. Richard Bach, one of my favorite authors, who wrote uh, Jonathan Lewis' Seagull. If you have not read that book, it's a fictional book. But you want to read a book that's hidden in a fictional story about a never-ending quest to progress no matter what. And it's a short read. I read it three and a half times on a flight back from uh, Dayton, Ohio, back to Germany back in the early 80s. And I've given that away several times. Uh, as far as gifts, right? Um, John Lewis Seagull, um, The Bridge Across Forever. Uh, 
illusions. Illusions. Uh, There's a subpart to it. Illusions. The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Highly recommend those books. They're fictional books, but cool lessons. Okay. So uh, in uh, this whole Avoid Infections, Unhappy, this is just one section out of a book uh, by Robert Greene called The 48 Laws of Power. I'm actually speaking on power and the Tatsu gene, the fully actualized human being, uh, to a university class here Wednesday night. So, but um, I don't, was this the one that I had them read, James? Do you remember? Is that the chapter? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's another really good book, and I can't remember the author. The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. But it's not about what most people mean when they say that. Because they wouldn't be in training like this or listening, listening to lessons like this if they didn't give a fuck. They need to learn what to not give a fuck about. Because most people that say it hang out with people that say that all the time. And they truly don't give a fuck. And that's why their life is in the toilet. Okay. What they want is the world to change to their image so they don't have to do any work. That's ultimately what ego wants. If everybody could just get with the fucking program, they'd all be happy. What program? Well, the one I wrote, of course. Okay. So I'm not saying it doesn't work that way, but if some of you, somebody figures it out how it works that way, still don't tell me. Okay. Does personal achievement requires work. You're not going to be proud of something that was just handed to you. That's why I don't do free things that often. Okay. Whoa, Kuden's free. No, it isn't. You pay with your time. You choose to sit here for two hours or whatever time that we're doing to take in the lessons, or you don't. It's not free. Free is... When you jump on the recording and can turn it on and off whenever you want or whatever. I mean, if most people only go through 19 minutes of a kuden, well, we know, I, I know generally speaking, how many people have binged listened to full episodes because they're in our highest online training program. Most of the people recently have gone, I, I, I did all this and I just decided time to get off my ass and like do it for real instead of hunting and pecking. Okay. Which the door is always open. Right. And folks can always, always reach out. And which reminds me, I apologize. I'm going to take 30 seconds here. If this stuff resonates with you and you want to actually do serious work and get help along with it, then the, the first seven steps on the path of a Buddha. And again, Buddha is going to throw people off, right? Because they've already been conditioned to be knowing what things are and they're wrong, right? Um, Buddha is just a, an old term that means um, one who's awake. Awake to what? The way shit works, right? The way things are. Awake to the human condition. Right? Reality and perception of the universe from the perspective of being human. 
What about ultimate reality? Well, you can theorize ultimate reality, but you're never going to understand what life is like from the perspective of a toad because you're not a toad or a dog or an amoeba or a carrot or whatever. They're all experiencing life very, very differently. Okay. So it's kind of the rules of the game that have been determined. But again, um, you know, it's, it's everybody's choice, right? We're just making the offer. 16 week program started last week. It's an easy catch up because the, the class is recorded and then we're doing every Thursday unless a holiday or something like that gets in the way, um, which should take us into about mid January. Okay. And then, but this course is the prerequisite to Mikyo where like this course is getting the understanding and what people would call enlightenment or whatever about the way things work and, and those got clarity and things like that. Right. But Mikyo is the answer to the next question, which is, okay, I have this. Now what can I do with it? Not that you won't have already cleared up a whole bunch of shit and be doing a lot of stuff with this, but this is the program that I built and we're updating it now um, for folks that want to do Mikyo. And if they don't want to take the course, when the Mikyo programs come up, they're going to have to pass a test on the subjects in the course because you can't do that stuff properly without understanding this stuff because it's all symbolic. Every syllable, every gesture, every color, it all points back to big lessons. Okay. Dave Fletch was talking about that little pill, right? Yep. It's all, they're all little pills. But there's a shit ton of stuff that goes into that, right? Shit ton. That's a technical term. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, I, again, these were big picture, you know, 30,000 foot hot air balloon kind of uh, perspectives on things, but hopefully it was a value. Hopefully it's helpful. Um, so let's open it up to any last questions, comments, whatever. Right. James, you're my interpreter from over there. Anybody, anything? Nothing at the moment. Nothing at the moment. All right. Well, here's your last incentive. Um, I gave away the last class on the first seven steps and anybody that showed up for it and signed up for it. I still need to get that email out to them. I'm running behind too much to do and not enough time. So I need to get that out to those folks. Right. Um, but what I did was I extended it. So you can still go to the sign up page to sign up for that first class. You would just be getting it as recording, but anybody who does that will be getting a series of follow-up emails and an offer um, to jump into the program because after the the doors closed the last time, the program went up in price and certain uh, bonuses came off. Okay, there are certain fast action bonuses that are not going back, but the other ones are still there. And what I did for those folks that actually signed up for it, went through the program, if they want or went through that class, if they want to do the full program. I've rolled the price back to the original enrollment, but only until Wednesday. After that, it's going up. People can still jump on for the next two or three weeks and not miss anything. They should be able to, to catch up and keep up because it's uh, fairly straightforward stuff. But 
um, this is kind of like a last chance kind of thing. So if you're serious and you want to dive into this stuff and not keep hunting and pecking and I mean, if you want to keep figuring it out for yourself, by all means, if you stay with this long enough, you'll, you know, you'll figure it out. Right. Um, but if you want help and, and whatnot, then, you know, that this is your invitation. Okay. But I'm not a used car salesman, so I'm not hyping it up and I'm not cajoling people. Okay. This kind of training is not a proselytizing philosophy. You know what that means? That means we don't go around going knock, 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 Buddha saves. Okay. We also don't try to convert children so they don't know any better when they become adults. Okay. Student goes to teacher. Person seeks out the knowledge. It's not thrown on you. And then you're threatened with, you know, punishment if you don't do it right. You're not promised rewards if you do do it right. Right. Well, no suffering is a reward. Yeah, I know, but you're doing all the work. You're not getting out of this. Nobody's, I'm not waving a magic wand so that you can, you know, pull up the drive, drive through and order number two. And, you know, I'd like an enlightenment supersized, please. You know? Wouldn't we all, but it doesn't work that way. And one of the problems that gets pointed out in this program over and over again is that's part of the problem. We want things a way that they are not, they can't be, and we won't do what's necessary. And we think we can figure it out for ourselves. And it's not that you can't, but Albert Einstein, one of the smartest people that have ever lived, said you can't fix a problem with the same mind that created it. For those of you on audio only, I just let that silence be there for a moment, right? The thing didn't end. So now are there any questions or comments? Uh, Dave said, thank you very much. And Jared had a comment. The last lesson I was taught before my 35-year hiatus was that the subconscious doesn't recognize anyone but yourself. And any negative speech towards someone else, the subconscious saw it in me. Yeah, especially negative things, right? Negative things in other people, right, um, often cause a lot of agitation and irritation because we're obviously not them, right? So, yeah, but your your mind can't comprehend anything. It, it doesn't know the difference between what you see outside your eyeballs or feel outside your skin or whatever and what you fabricate in your brain. It doesn't know the difference. And it will develop habitual habit or tendencies, right? It makes these neural pathways. That's what creates these, what we call habits, right? So here's your chance to build the ones that will serve you instead of trying to limp along with the ones that don't. That's like a ship trying to sail off into the ocean without pulling up its anchor. Or the mooring ties at the pier. Unless you rip the pier free, and then ship's not going to sail at full steam anyway because you got all this shit dragging behind. How's that for an analogy? <laughs> anyway, 
it may, may make for an interesting curiosity and stories to tell your grandkids, but I, I promise you the people on that ship not going to have the same stories. <laughs> not going to have the same stories. Okay, are we good? Yeah? Yes, All sir. right, well, let's do this then. Um, let's see. Uh, you know what? If you're on the mailing list, that's great. If not, uh, and you want to get this next update that's coming out for this last chance kind of thing, uh, James, can you put it in the chat? Uh, the Warrior C at WarriorConceptsOnline.com and we'll, we'll toss two things in. I normally don't or whatever. Uh, if you want to talk about other types of training, uh, and, you know, what might be available or just get some suggestions for moving forward, uh, put call request in the subject line. If you want to be put on the list and you're interested in the first seven steps or whatever, put the word Mikyo, M-I-K-K-Y-O, in the subject line. Okay. Tell me about yourself, training background, what you're looking to do, how you think this will help and whatnot. And then if you are trying to schedule a call or a Zoom session with me or whatever, uh, I need a couple of days and or time, well, days and times that you would be available for a 30 to 45 minute discussion might not last that long. You might hop on and we realized that it was a mistake and, you know, but 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and, uh, if not with the Mikio thing, just, you know, what you're looking for and whatnot. And yes, you know, send me the link to, uh, sign up to get the free, uh, class. Uh, we went in that first class, we went almost three hours. So. There's a few lessons in that course, <laughs> 16 or 17 classes that'll be that way, right? Across seven steps. Anyway, all right, um, that's it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. I've talked enough. I'm tired of the sound of my own voice, and I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.